and they pull up on the screen like the guy's you know voice track right and then they just start to edit it and they just start to change the things that it's saying right and the 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 amount of like uh of horror that appear because like these tech guys you know demo were just like so pumped and jazzed like showing this thing off and the, and the audience was too because they're all there for it they're but, like look there was you like can't trust anything anymore <laughs> isn't this great <laughs> scotch Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 385 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is October Squirrel Beans 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we haven't had one of those in a while, Seth. I uh, feel like you're back. I we got to get back. October back to squirrel beans is a particularly good one too. Mm-hmm. It's got a really good. It's about that time of year. I want to say the squirrels are all t- taking everyone's beans and then storing them in their bean buckets uh, mm-hmm. for the winter. You know, it's dangerous out there because this is when, if you're walking around, sometimes a squirrel bean bucket just falls right on your head, yeah. knock you right out Real cold. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a good way to store the beans because it's not insulated. You nope. know, it's just an open air bucket. Yep. But squirrel technology really hasn't moved forward much. Yeah, squirrels haven't discovered the metaverse yet. So, you know, they're all. Yeah, they're which still, we'll talk about. But yeah. if they put their beans in there, then who knows what. Well, because then, then they can also you like know? attach NFTs to each bean and they can, you know, then they can sell them. Yeah. And, and uh, then each oh, bean uh, is unique and scarce. And, yep. uh, you know, you could sell the the bean and, you know, well, there's perfect. a lot they could be doing with tech and they're just really behind, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, before we go any further, this podcast will have profanity in it. Just just, just uh, huge volumes of profanity. So if you're a child, then, you know, you have that look to look forward to because we know children love swears. Oh, yeah. But if you're a parent, uh, you probably don't want your child to hear it. So, you know, you'll, you'll ask them to leave the room, I think, is how that goes. You should, though, so, because it is hilarious when children swear. It's just the best. The best. Yeah, it's oh, the that's best so thing. Good. Yep. So good. And you have to pretend – it's kind of like when your dog does something bad and they're like acting really sulking about it. But it's kind of hilarious how mm-hmm. like ashamed they look. And so you have to still pretend like you're mad, but you're not actually mad because you're kind of laughing inside. It's like, you know, it's like people are breaking character on SNL. You know, you got to do that. Yep. Like hold, yep. you, hold your face. Hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Pinch yeah. each other, you know, whatever you got to do. So that's that's the ch- children swearing thing is it's just too it's just too funny. But you got to pretend like it's Lock not. It uh, also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscotch.Net. Thanks for letting us grab your money. And we're gonna we're gonna keep doing that as long as you guys keep 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 giving it. To <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, helps keep our mics on. All right, now let's talk about what's been going on. Uh, all right, now we can what? talk about. We could talk about Crashlands 2, or we could talk about the metaverse. I feel like we already kind of cracked open that nut, you know. Yeah, so let's, let's get in there. All right, so this is just – I just want to take a moment to just reflect on the news that came out this week that since starting work on the metaverse in the first quarter of 2021, so it's been under two years. Is that when uh, they changed their name to Meta and everything? Was that only – was that only – I in- think it was around there. Um so Meta or Facebook, you know, uh, they have they have spent fifteen billion dollars trying to develop the metaverse, and that is with um, a B, with a B, mm-hmm. and they have so they they had their big event um, this 
past week or week and a half or whatever, um, where they unveiled their latest technology, which is that avatars have legs now. <laughs> I saw I saw the, the tweet from like the meta account or whatever that was advertising that. It was like it was like a it was like an announcement yeah. sort of a thing, right? But I thought when I first saw it that it was a satire piece from some other source, you know, because it was such a bizarre celebration thing item, you know, it was just, it was very strange. Yeah. Yes. Cause up until now people have seen screenshots and videos of the metaverse and stuff. And it, it looks, it looks like graphics from the mid nineties, right. In terms of like the quality and stuff. And I was even noticing that in their tech demo where they were, sh- where they were showing up, they were talking to each other with their avatars and they had legs and stuff. There's no shadows. Yeah. I think that's actually so, the main thing. That's, I was looking at it when, because these announcements recently have been kind of coming out about meta stuff, you know, and I was looking at it and I was like, it, it is exactly that problem. It just it's looks eerie. like somebody made a 3D scene without any lighting. It's just everything just has light on it. You know, so you yeah, tell me this is a fifty billion dollars they've spent. They didn't hire, I don't know, an art director. Well, this is so this is what I want to get into because it feels like. All right. So with 15 billion dollars. You can do literally anything, and somehow they have managed to do almost nothing. <laughs> so here, here's some of the stuff that that you could do with fifteen billion dollars. Mm. Okay, so Meta has eighty three thousand five hundred employees. That's a lot. That's a lot. Jesus. Right? Yeah. If every single one of those people was working on the metaverse, then Facebook would have paid every single one of those people a, about one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> For their time to the work on the years. metaverse, so they could have the just two years. They could have just been okay. Entire company, we're wor- just working on the entire metaverse. company. Everybody's getting uh, almost two hundred thousand dollars, and that would have been fifteen billion dollars. And, and right almost there. that means also almost all of their person that would have been probably paid a lot more than they're being paid right now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because of course they don't have all eighty three thousand. It's, it's probably a much much smaller proportion of. And in, in which case, what is happening to this money? Right, because. Uh, something else you could do with fifteen billion dollars is is the median household price, the, the price to purchase a home in the United States, hmm. is four hundred twenty eight thousand seven hundred dollars. Is you that the buy, median right now? Yeah. That's the median. Holy you could buy thirty five thousand houses. You could buy a town. I think you could buy a town. Actually, you city, could buy an entire city also, worth of houses. <laughs> it's probably legal to do that because companies or people are allowed to do anything, which means you literally, yeah. like Facebook, they could literally have. could have bought 35,000 yeah. houses. Or you could hire a really smart, uh, you know, like high school kid who's just looking for a, a side gig. You know, you could pay them at the federal minimum wage and you could have that kid work on the metaverse for 238,183 years mm, yeah. <laughs> for $15 billion. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, if you put this into – if you put this into – it's a human like labor hours, like because this is one of those fun things about like you launch a game and then you look at the average play time and then times how many players you have and you're like oh like yep. wow like, the number of hours of human life that now people have like gone put into our game is amazing right or yeah. if you take your our studio and you say we as a team worked on this game for two years and you just compute those hours and you're like okay well that means this many hours of human labor went into it right yeah so if we if we were to pay assuming like paying some rate mm-hmm. per hour. Mm-hmm. How many human hours of labor is 15 billion with a B dollars? 
maybe, maybe flip it around this way. Let's say you had a, a crack team of 500 people mm-hmm. working on the metaverse, which is a, that's a, that's a, big a shitload of people, mm-hmm. right? So because you're talking like just, all focused on like the development and creation. There, there, the yeah. You've got your software engineers. You've got your hardware yeah, engineers. We're, we're kicking got, everybody else out. This is like only. You've got you've like you've got some marketing people. You've got even some. You've got an advertising wing. Okay, so like it's it is the full the product. Okay, Look, cool, cool. yeah, you get a five hundred like a five hundred person company working on this kind of thing. Like that's that's a that's a healthy number of people in the it's like in the R and D stage of things, right? Because like once you actually have to manufacture the units and all that stuff, then you know you start to require you know more more hands, right? But so if you had 500 people just developing this thing mm-hmm. over two years, what is that, right? So that's like 40 hours a week. Let's say let's say they're crunching, okay, and they're doing 60 hours a week, Probably. right? Uh, 50 weeks a year, right? Mm-hmm. So that's 3,000 hours per per person per year. Two years, so 6,000 hours per person. Mm-hmm. 500 people, so that's three million hours would have gone into making this thing. Mm-hmm. Three million, okay. 15. Billion divided by three million, okay, five thousand dollars per hour is what mm. you would have to pay those people. You would have to be paying people five thousand dollars per hour. A huge team to okay, so spend that much money. <laughs> established. No, I don't understand. Yeah, the, how this I don't understand where the money could have possibly well, where do you think gone. It's, I guess my question because if we've established it, like this is it. This is an astronomical amount of money, and it's confusing. Both from, I mean, just in, in a wide variety of ways, it's confusing. But like, it's an incomprehensible amount of money. But where is to, it? Like to develop one product over two years that isn't even like viable or ready for market. <laughs> I mean, and we, and, and we should say like it is extremely you know difficult to develop a new a new technology. Oh, like it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of smart people. A lot of time. like that's all. That's all true, but how to, still though, how does it cost $15 billion? <laughs> where does that come Because I can see it in cases where it's like, take like, you know, uh, like military spending stuff, right? Like when you get a defense contractor, right? Because now you got a whole bunch of people and like hyperinflated rates of things, but they're dealing with also like large amounts of materials and yeah. moving them places. And then like all these- blowing like, them up. And, then, and literally, yeah. And then literally, there's a there, yeah. There's a there's yeah. A whenever they test it. something, they it's destroyed, and they have to make an entirely new <laughs> one. You know, like this is this is this is tech we're talking about, and it's, it's most, largely it's largely a software. It's like, software. I mean, there is hardware well, involved. Definitely. Well, yeah. Of course, it's it's both, right? Because they're trying to develop the VR tech to make it, you know, so that it's it's much higher powered and cheaper and whatever. But then they they unveiled the new Oculus headset mm. at fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. MSRP, right? So it's like all of that investment did not make the product cheaper, right? Or like they couldn't find like a, a way to ma- manufacture it or make it in a way that's ac- actually like accessible or affordable to people. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we've always kind of talked about with VR is there's this huge barrier, which is that to go into VR, you need space, right? So that you aren't like flailing around and smashing your your furniture and your computer and whatever. Um, you need reliable power. You need, in the case of the metaverse, you need uh, high-speed internet, right? And then also you need a lifestyle that allows you to completely isolate yourself visually and auditorily mm-hmm. from everyone and everything around you. So if you have a dog, 
that needs to go out, you won't know that they're at the door trying to get you to let them out. If you have kids who need your attention, you can't pay attention to them. If you have a spouse, they can't they can't say anything to you or get your attention either because you've got headphones on, your eyes are covered, yeah. you, you know, you're you're locked in, right? And so it's not like a, it's not like the iPhone where you can just like like when the iPhone first came out, it was a replacement for something people already had, which was a, a cell phone in their pocket, right? And it was a much better version of that, and and it, it just kind of like seamlessly worked its way into what people were already doing. And you can choose your level of involvement, right? But that's not the case with VR. And no matter how much money, like how how good the tech gets or how small the headset gets or whatever, you still have this intractable problem that almost nobody can do it, you know? Like just like in in terms of how it fits into your life. So I don't know. It's it's, it's gonna I mean it's interesting watching the train wreck of this like throwing good money after bad. You know, it reminds yeah. me of, you know, the old stories about Holy Grail quests, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where everyone's like, there's this thing and it's super powerful probably, but also we don't actually even know, we don't really know what it is. Or like trying to turn it. lead into gold. The yeah, old, yeah, uh, philosopher's stone. Yeah, yeah whichever one yeah. you want. But the, the crux of the tale is always something around the lines of like, we don't actually know if it will do the thing that we think it will do. We've got some mythical mixed reports and we don't... Not really sure exactly also the shape of it, but we're going to put together like a big, you know, expedition party to go get this thing. And usually what happens um, is that the whole expedition dies, like 99% of the time, right? Um, Or they return empty-handed and then, uh, you know, owe money to various people. So I think what's weird about it on the metaverse side is because it feels the same, right? Where it's like people talk about, they're talking about a concept, not a, they're talking about a concept, right? This idea of... Uh, being able to, you know, embody it's replacing space, real life with virtual life, basically. Yeah. Right? Well, well, and it's it's, it's a, a lot of the it's a lot of the it would be cool if kind that's of thing. Like, so like 100%. so like one of the things that people talk about that is is possible with this kind of tech is that you can create your own kind of like control interface. So instead of you know having to like buy a keyboard that you then like pl- plunk onto your desk and are typing onto, you know, if you're a software engineer or something. You know, you can you can basically create your own virtual keyboard that lives in virtual space, but that has as many buttons as you want that do whatever you want them to do, right? Which is like, oh, that's pretty cool, but also none you of have no tactile feedback. But and- I mean, again, it's like it's like blockchain, right? It's like it can be cool tech, and there's a whole bunch of like, yeah, it would be cool if you know. It's, and but, but it's it useful. But what, <laughs> what is probably it? applicable? What is it for? I think it's the interesting thing with like the the meta stuff is is that it has such a like dry corporate approach, um, and it looks like they're trying to like they're trying. Looks like they're trying to create the virtual version of like the of the corporate dystopia, right? Like that's yeah. what it feels like is happening. It looks like um, that too. You know? it, lo- it looks exactly like it. Uh, it it's like, it, it is literally like if you imagine like all the things that people, do, the way that people describe, you know, modern corporate life, right? It like, and then you look at meta and what they're doing and what they're showing us about the metaverse stuff, right? It like, it feels like that's what they're creating. Uh, and I don't really understand even what they're, what they're trying to sell to companies with that. But there is another possibility here to consider. So Facebook, universally reviled company, 
right? Literally, nobody's in Facebook's corner. Right? Yeah, but Facebook doesn't exist anymore. It's meta now. No, it's it's, it's a whole new but, thing. But, mm-hmm. but it, it has no goodwill. Literally zero, right? Yeah. So what they want to do now is they want to make a new technology that pervades your life even deeper than what Facebook originally did, where they earned all of that ill will, right? Now, if that's what they want to do, is they want to create that, but they know that getting people on board with how much ill will they have is going to be basically impossible. There is an approach one could take, which is to display such apparent incompetence Mm. that you go from (laughs) being evil to being a joke, Right. right. So if people are like, come back there's no way they could That's they true. could steal all my data and harm uh-huh. me because they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can come back from being a joke because, because like, because mm. think about it, because it is like, it's indescribably bizarre that they're investing all of this money. Right. And then what we're seeing is stuff without shadows, right. Without like any lighting effects that has this, the sterility of, of like a, of a, just a medium nineties game, video game. Right. Because that part of the technology problem is not the hard part, right? So yeah. every why video isn't game there, has solved right? this problem. Yeah, and <laughs> like and, and making something look good. And know? it seems just so unlikely that you haven't because like Facebook, yeah, again, University of Nevada company, but it's full of very smart people, right? These are the kind of conspiracies that I like to buy into. You know, that's a good one. Facebook is yeah, purposefully right? just taking a stick and shoving it in the spokes and be like, oh. Wow, yeah. we're so dumb. Oh, wow, we're so dumb. You can still. Yeah. I mean, I I wish. I think I it's. I think it's. I think it's just. A, it's probably more of a combination of. Well, honestly, I hope it's not that. I hope it just actually is incompetence. That's what I would. That's what I would oh, prefer. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because of course, like every you know, if you have that many people working at a company, like you would need so many people working there to be going along with the idea of doing a purposely doing a terrible job. Well, no, you to restore the company's image. Like nobody cares. You wouldn't have, because <laughs> normally when it comes to this kind of a thing. Uh, you don't actually show the the incomplete progress unless it unless the thing that you're showing like is an amazing demonstration, right? Mm-hmm. And and so like video the video game industry is a perfect example of this. Like you don't see a demo of a or you actually look at the Grand Theft Auto Six uh, uh, the leak mm, right the leak from, yeah. a, from a month or two ago, um, where the the gaming community because they don't know how to interpret that early mm-hmm. that early phase information. And so they interpret it in the worst way possible. And now there's like this kind of stain, right, on on the idea of what what GTA 6 is. And video game companies know this. And so they always keep this stuff just as private as possible until the reveal is already something that people can buy into, right? Yep. Yep. And that's true. Like in, in in the software world, that's less true because there's the idea of like, try out a prototype early and see if you can get people on board and that kind of stuff. And so it's a little more, you know, more fluid. But still, like, you're trying to create an entire good experience, like, at each step of the way, right? So it's weird to me that they're releasing this stuff early is the first part when it's, like, so incomplete, right? Well, they have but, to. But if you imagine, they, like, if you're, if, it's a, if you're basically orchestrating an, an, uh, something of this scale, right, that's taking $15 billion and some huge number of people, right, there's going to be a handful of, like, people deciding what order things go in, right? No, that's true. And so if you you could just decide, hey, we want to show this stuff early. So I think a good example of that there's actually a there's I can't remember who it was, but there's somebody who talked about this this idea more generally, which is that a new technology that is going to dramatically impact people's lives and potentially in a negative way, which is most technologies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's, it shakes up the social fabric, right? And it usually causes harm to people who are already being harmed. That's almost always what happens, right? But it's when people first see these things, uh, when it's new, people actually don't have that much trouble putting it in context and being like, oh, no, I don't want that, right? Um, but if, it, if they get repeated exposure to it in a way that is sort of uh, – propagandized, right? Then over time, they can actually, you can sneak through this. And we actually see this right now with deep fake video tech, right? So I don't know if you guys remember, but maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something. I think it was Adobe. Was it Adobe? Or somebody, somebody, IBM, Adobe, somebody had some sort of a cool, you know, keynote event, right? And they go up on stage and they had some actor, I can't remember who it was at this point, who was like emceeing, right? And the, the guys walk around saying some stuff. And they pull up on the screen, like the guy's, you know, voice track, right? And then they just start to edit it and they just start to change the things that it's saying, right? And yeah. <laughs> and it just, and suddenly it's, it just sounds like this person saying those things, right? And the, the, the amount of like, uh, of horror that appeared, because like these tech guys, you know, Deming were just like so pumped and jazzed and like showing this thing off. And the, and the audience was too, because they were all there for it. Right? They're but, like, look, there was you like, can't trust anything anymore. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> was, great. everybody was just like terrified. And then, and so then the pushback they got from the broader community and the broader world was so swift and intense that that technology appeared to disappear. It just like, it, suddenly they were quiet about it. It just didn't exist, right? And now, I don't know if anybody watches America's Got Talent. But one of the fucking acts of that show was a deep fake technology, right? Where they bring it in. They, so they bring a camera in and they bring an opera singer, right? And they video the opera singer. They, you know, they project it up at the top. But then they put – it's a live deep fake. They put like Simon Cowell's head on that person's head, right? Whoa. And it looks like Simon Cowell's singing. Like you look – you don't have to look too hard to see like there's something off about it, right? But yeah. it's not that off. But given that this tech is just like a half a decade old. Yeah. And you know. people, so the audience fucking loved it. They made it all the way through the whole thing, right? And like the judges are just singing praises of it. You know, the whole audience is like so pumped, right? When a mere few years ago, when it was first announced, right? In a much more precise context, but without without people in a context who could make it seem fun and cute. Yep. Right? Yep. And so now we all of a sudden went to this, we went, we just, we've already blown past this now where we were... When this, when this tech was first announced, nothing but horror. And now everyone's excited about it, right? And I, so this is what it's like. I'm watching, looking at what Meta's doing. I'm like, this just, they've displayed enough incompetence in the past that it could just be incompetence, right? But I'm suspicious. I'm well, suspicious. You know, you that, know this kind of you know? also makes me think of like, People always talk about you have you know your your dystopian future movies where it's like oh my gosh the robots you know rose up and killed all of us it's it's always it's always the the AI kind of like becomes sentient and takes over the 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 world right but what you don't really see in in like dystopian sci-fi stuff is what happens what's what's that intermediate stage where AI is really really good and can can basically enable people to do almost anything that they want to do, right? So like if somebody could deep fake uh, you and make it look like you have said and done whatever they want you to have said and done, right? And they have video, they have just hours and hours of video quote evidence of you having done this stuff. And of course you never did, right? Um, what, what, kind, what kind of a world is that? 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even, even like you guys have seen, like there's this, this Dali, um, you mm-hmm. know, AI R generation thing. Right. And I saw this really controversial uh, discussion where there was a, an art contest and mm-hmm. somebody had spent a few hours sort of curating a, a prompt to get an image that they really want. Like to, they just, they just, you know, cause with these AI art generation things, you basically describe something and then the AI generates an image and then mm-hmm. you can change the prompt a little bit and get some new images and you can kind of keep doing that and to refine what it is that the AI is doing, right? And then you can, you know, once you get an image you like, you can just save it or keep, you know, whatever it is you want to do with it, right? And so somebody sub- submitted an AI-generated image to an art competition and they won. Mm-hmm. And they only revealed afterwards that it was an AI that did it, right? Um, and so then there's this, all this conversation about how, you know, we need – are we going to have to now have ways of like uh, people – supervising the the artists as they make stuff so that we know that it's legitimate, you know? Well, this is also uh, a, a, you know, a line drawing problem, right? Because yeah. you can make the same argument. Because, like, I've seen some of the cool shit that really good digital artists can do in, say, Photoshop, right? Where the combination of, like, the, the wild just tech that's built into Photoshop and then, like, the brushes and, like, all these different things, right? Uh, and then the tricks that they learn um, make it so that, like, what they can do compared to what somebody sitting down with physical materials can do right mm-hmm. is that similar kind of a leap right where this it's like you basically get to get a whole bunch of things like quote unquote for free right yep the reality is of course it's just a different kind of expertise than using physical media right and the same idea is like really understanding how to make an ai do something you want is 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 a real form of expertise, right? But yeah. those three things aren't the same, though the first two are definitely closer to each other, right? Than, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and right? and there's and it, it kind of blurs the question of I, I think in the, in the spe- I think it's unsportsmanlike in the spirit of a competition, but because of the Im- the implied, you know, rules of the competition are that that you yourself, you know, with your hands, you know, drew the lines and and painted or, you know, whatever it was. Um, but it is a blurry line because because, like you said, there's a, there's a skill and an and, a, and an eye to sort mm-hmm. of curating an AI prompt and getting it to produce a striking image that is good enough to win an art competition, right? And like, if that image wouldn't have existed if that person hadn't sat down for three hours and tried to find out, like, make that AI do it, right? Mm-hmm. So in this way, it's you know, the AI is a tool that the person is using in the same way that somebody can use Photoshop or whatever. But it's just such a different and powerful tool that it doesn't fit. I in think the comp- it's, it's so removed like from that, physically you know? doing. I think is the part where it right because yeah, it's, it's yeah. basically declarative, right? And I, and I think actually this is also how like code AI tools work is is you you can like if you you can like type out your, your uh, comments describing what you want to do, right? And the code AI can use that to then help kind of pre-populate some code that it thinks will do that, right? And it's so like you're, your GitHub copilot. Right. And so you're kind of moving yeah. from from like this more hands-on process of of like physically creating the code or physically yeah, creating the typing art. Typing every semicolon and yeah, know, to whatever. one where you're describing what it is that you're trying to do and then basically getting a draft that you then come in and, and tweak. But again, but depending on the 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 realm, yeah, right? So yeah, like because if it's if the AI is good enough that you're explanation of what you want is then also the thing that comes out, whether that's art or whether it's code, right? Then 
you get removed from just kind of the physical act of doing that part because now all the, the expertise that comes into play is your ability to describe what you're trying that what you want in terms that that an AI can understand to give you what you want reliably. It's sort of like Google accurately. searching in some ways, right? That's exactly like, like that, yeah. Yeah, you, you learn how to you up your Google foo so you can solve problems, but usually what that means is uh, you know learning how to type prompts in very dumb ways to get because Google understands it better as a particular in a particular format versus uh, you know what you might actually ask a person about something. Mm-hmm. But I think. The discussion to me always, it feels similar to the one we saw, uh, you know, just adopting game engines in many ways. Like back in the Ludum Dare days when you had to write your own engine from scratch or you were disqualified from the competition. Yeah. And so you didn't have to write your own programming language or build your own computer. Yeah. 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 There's always a line you got to pick. Yeah, there's there's always a line. And so it is it is an interesting one where, you know, being around for basically the the kind of chaos that is caused when a new line is able to be drawn. And then the fact that everybody has to sort of jointly participate essentially in typically initially demonizing the easy side, the easier side of the line that's enabled by the tool is always how it happens first. Um, and then typically a little bit later then essentially everybody works that tool into their kit. Right. Uh, especially as the tool gets better. Cause I think it's like, I tried to use, um, uh, I wanted to see what it would be if I tried to use, some of the Dolly 2 uh, credits that I had to generate some concepts for like an enemy that we're working on Crash Lines 2. It's like, it's like very mediumly useful because again, going back to what I've talked about before, if you have a large integrated body of work that you're trying to put something into, you're not going to get basically what anything you need out of something like this uh, aside from like... Yeah, it's not there yet. Yep. Yeah, aside from like yeah. maybe like a general shape idea, but you don't you don't get anything usable really. Um, but it, it does allow you to kind of poke around. But in the same way, that like right now I go to Pinterest and I basically, I do the same shit on Pinterest, right? Where I'm like, mm, like a robotic, uh, you know, frog with whatever, concept art, robot, robotic creature or whatever, right? Um, it's not... So I do, as an artist, when you go and build references, you offer, you're you do very much the same thing, but it's just in a manual capacity where you're curating a, li- a pile of images that are sort of an approximation of where you're trying to get to. Um, I think for certain kinds of work is where the Dolly stuff gets weird, where you're, like you said, it's if, if it's one-off images um, where you're not create, there's not an integrated body of stuff that you need to somehow get something into. There's not any technical specs to the thing. Um, it's much more straightforward. It's just, if it's just a picture, if it's just an illustration, then yeah, I think you're, there's some there is some weird lines to figure out because but, what, well, yeah, but also like what's really fascinating about this is I, I think the amount of the amount of power that people have now, um, even even disregarding the you know the AI stuff that we're talking about, but just like, like with something like Google, right, um, or Photoshop or these kinds of things. Uh, there's that that book, um, How the World Really Works, mm-hmm. which is a great book. Um, it just, it's just a, a, a dude who like just dug through research, like billions of research papers and did tons of math to try to like figure out what's really going on, you know, just in the world. Like how, how, what, what are the different things that like really matter in terms of like industries and, and how do things all connect to each other? And one of the big things that he talked about this idea of like, um, there's a, a revolutionary leap every time people find ways to harness a new source of energy mm-hmm. and, and and capitalize on it, right? So at one point it was just fire because then you can cook your food and then you don't have to uh, – you have like less risk of illness and also it's easier to digest and you don't need as much food to 
get the energy out of it, you know, whatever, right? And then there's stuff like steam engines and coal and there's gasoline and combustion engines and nuclear power, stuff like that. Um, but you can also think about it in terms of, you know, t- time in versus production out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at, at one point in time, I can't remember what the, the units were, but it was, it was something dramatic like, you know, it used to be that that for farming, it was like 18 minutes of work to produce a bushel of wheat or something like that. Uh, uh, a couple hundred years ago, and now it's about two seconds, mm-hmm. right? So if you if you average out a farmer's time, which is why now like almost so few people are farmers relative to the global population, but they can still produce enough food because the technology has has turned every unit of their time into like a thousand fold more output, right? Mm-hmm. And so now though uh, a lot of you know a lot of people moved into cities and live in service and and tech work and knowledge work, right? And all of this AI stuff is kind of like it's it's harnessing this new this new kind of of energy to so that like you don't have to put in nearly as much time or thought into into producing something, right? So, you know, imagine if, you know, 50 years from now, what's it going to be like when when these AIs, you know, they they can just produce a gorgeous painting or an incredible concept work that is the thing that's exactly mm-hmm. what you wanted. Yeah. Right, every single time, um, or like with the the code thing, like there may be a point where you never even look at the code. You know, you just you just tell the AI, yeah, this is what I want my game to do, or this is what I want my software to do, and it and it will compile the stuff and and take care of everything for you. Uh, and you'll never have to know how it how any of it works, which means like a- anybody can be an artist, a musician, a programmer, you know, a financial guru, you know, because nobody is. Well, like I think it's, it's all just the machines, <laughs> but, I, but I think uh, that that's what sort of, that's, that still discounts the input, though, right? Because because yeah. like yeah, like a farmer can generate a, you know a fuckload of bushels of things in two seconds, right? Mm-hmm. But what do they have to do still to do that, right? Well, they have to have procured enough capital to get one of these machines to be able to do it, and they have to learn how the seasonality impacts things so they know when they're supposed to do stuff. They have to, like, learn how the software works to do the right. There's all these things that still have to have to happen. And, yeah, like, any one of these things over time, the more – because the, the limiting factor all the time for these kinds of things, the, like the, the one that is the hardest to overcome, is the ability to describe what you want to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And the harder it is to do that, the harder it is to automate it. Well, well I would say right? the ability. But this to- is a, this is a, it's it's a displacement problem though because oh, yeah, no, it used because it used to be the case and, and the real the real disruption here is like it used to be the case that almost everybody was a farmer because they had to be right and as the technology makes it so that you know it takes so much less input to farm uh, like on a per person per unit of output basis right then farming just is no longer a feasible path for 80% of the population to be doing because we just, that's way too much food. (laughs) There's the supply and demand doesn't allow for it. You know, right now we're in this, we're in this mode where there's a lot of tech work, right? Like if you want to get a great job, it's like, yeah, go into comp sci, you know, become a programmer, do all that stuff. Um, But we're also at the same time developing these tools, these AIs that that solve or are trying to solve or are becoming better at solving so many of the kinds of problems that go into that, that, you know, it may be the case that over the next 50 years, 100 years, you'll see a similar kind of displacement where you actually need very few knowledge workers either, right? 
to to do stuff. Uh, and then what else is there now? Like, what do you you know? If if you can, if computers are the knowledge workers, right? They make our movies. They they make <laughs> our games. They they write our code. You know, because um, like what you know, right now you got like you know, a studio like Pixar that would you know it would take so many people, so many hours or years to produce a great film. Well, if 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 a computer can tell a story, can generate images, can generate music, can do all that stuff, and if that can be refined, then you could have an AI that could pump out a great movie every ten seconds. You know, <laughs> uh, I think the main and, my main argument against this uh, sort of inevitable outcome is that is that to make that happen, we have to be good enough at doing these things ourselves to figure out how to make these things good at it, right? And how many movies are good? How many songs are good? Well, but it's mean, just I a numbers the, game. Oh, you know? it is sure, but 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 because you're but you're the because the claim here is that like we're gonna take knowledge like knowledge work out of it, right? And that's the part where I disagree. I agree with you completely well, that 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 things are gonna keep shifting, but the place they're gonna keep shifting is where they've uh, was where they've already been shifting, which is you need fewer people to accomplish any given scale of output of anything, right? Over time, right? Yeah, that's true. But what are those people doing, right? And what those people are doing is they are deciding what the output is supposed to be and describing it, right? And that does shift backwards constantly. That's absolutely true, right? So I agree with you completely that all this stuff like shifts and moves and you, and, and you do need fewer people to accomplish mm -hmm. the same scale of outcome over time, right? Yeah. Um, but what that actually means is that we just keep on like being pushed backwards into these spaces where we haven't yet figured out how to describe something well enough, reliably enough that we can make, you know, machines and AIs and whatever do that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And we, but we will eventually figure that thing out too, right? And we will keep kind of moving backwards, right? But there's always, there's kind of like, you just kind of keep on going until we basically recreate people. At that point, that's when now like, you know, there's nothing for actual people to do, right? Um, yeah. But like, you got to get the, pretty is, far- that down that path. But the problem, I mean, the problem is moving as we go on that journey, right? That it's not uh, sustainable under uh, growth-based economies, right? Because yeah. if you're constantly pushing, if, you're, if you make it so that fewer and fewer people can do more and more, right? And the effort, and now, because now like, think about, because we're talking about this as if like it's easier and easier to do these things, right? Which actually isn't true. It becomes less accessible to do each of these things because the amount of like stuff you have to have access to grows. Like the amount of capital you need to be a farmer today, fucking enormous, right? Um, the like and like all these cool AIs and things. Well, yeah, there's like those all exist, right? But what was required to make them exist to maintain them, right? And then all of the access is gated to all these things, right? So fewer and fewer people need to, but also get to, right? Yeah, and, and so it, then what's left for everybody? So else. What's left for everybody else? And so yeah. that's that's where so and this is this is also why the idea of like adaptability is always like adaptability of using tools is that's your always your safest bet of a thing to invest your time and energy into, right? Because as the stuff does change, it allows you to kind of keep on moving yourself backwards, right? As like the stuff downstream gets easier and more taken care of, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the system I mean, won't is, be able, it already it, the systems already can't handle it, right? Where we're currently at. Yeah, but it's but it it, it only accelerates, right? Like the, the yeah. pace of change only accelerates. I mean, it's it's been fascinating to like there's a uh, the the game dev or indie gaming subreddits where people will often post their their stuff, you know. And you'll you'll nowadays you'll see a post by, you know, 
high school kid. They're like, Hey, like, I, uh, I don't know how to code, but like, I just started like putting together my first game, you know, uh, what do you think? I've been working on it for a couple of months and it looks so much better than like cool any, shit. any triple a <laughs> game that I played in like 2015, you know, yep. you know, because, because the tools are just getting so good, um, that, that, you know, I mean, it's something that I reflect on of like, it already is the case that there's just a glut of games that get produced, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because, the, because of the tools, the tools just get better and better and better. And so ultimately like, what does the games industry look like when, you know, uh, 20 years from now, when something like unreal engine is so good at making games, you know, <laughs> uh, with, with so little expertise required to, to really do it that, you know, any, you know, like back, like when we were kids, you know, we would like play pretend, right? Well, like, what if like a five-year-old can just bang out a game in a couple of hours uh, with their friends and then they can play that game for the weekend? But the expertise, because you know? I think uh, the focus here, though, is, and I think this is where, I think this is where I, I just tend to kind of just disagree with these outcomes because all these things are enabling is, is, is this very technical stuff, right? It's making it possible to like, uh, you boot up a game engine, You've never even seen it. You just boot it up and and you can render a cube and it looks fucking amazing, right? Uh, and you can well, you can go to the asset store and buy some assets and plop them in the game. And they, they come pre-animated so they can like walk around or whatever, right? And like, oh, that's, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Like I couldn't code that up by myself, you know? Like just like I couldn't just go do that. I wouldn't have been able to 10 years ago. I couldn't do it now, right? But I could do that here. But you know what I wouldn't, still wouldn't be able to even given all of that is design a good game experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just like in a vacuum. Because that's that's mm-hmm. actually still... Like the hardest, like we were talking about this, right? Like the hardest part of making games is not making games. That mm-hmm. is hard, but that is getting easier, right? The hardest part still is designing them in a way mm-hmm. so that you've created some kind of an experience that you can convince other people that they want to have and that when they do actually have it, that they enjoy it, right? And yeah, that isn't solved by making it easier to make the things. It just means that if you are good at constructing a unique, marketable, enjoyable experience, right, that you're now more enabled to do it technically. Yeah, I think that maybe the place where I find people, the discussion about the stuff getting confused in the same kind of way is is this difference between output and outcome, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. I think, to what you're saying, Adam, which is like, yeah, Dolly can produce basically infinite images, of whatever you describe. But again, like, are you able to actually communicate what it is that you need? And can it give you back specifically what it is that you need? And is that a thing that actually accomplishes the outcome that you were looking for? Yeah, because right? if the outcome is just make lots of cool pictures, like, oh yeah, that thing crushes oh, it. Yeah. It's hard to do anything else, right? But yeah, yeah like because I've tried to use a few of these tools uh, and can't get anything that I want, right? Um, and that's, and I was barely even like trying to like, I didn't actually even need something. I was just like, Oh, let me see if I can make this happen. And I just couldn't. Right. <laughs> so, and and over time, like these things will, they'll get there in the same way that like just literally in the past like year of me using GitHub Copilot, which is the AI programming tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gotten already so much better that like, I can pretty well count on it. Like I, I've learned how to describe stuff to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that it's likely to give me a pretty good outcome. Right. And it's also learning at the same time based on all the people interacting with it about and like whether or not they accept its suggestions, right, to to make it better at converting what people are asking for into something, mm-hmm. right? But it's still the limiting factor is always not just like 
how do you make sure you're describing it in a way that it can understand, but how you're describing it in a way that's unambiguous in the first place, right? And this is because this is where, like, yeah. this is again, this is what makes programming hard. This is, this is what makes art hard. This is what makes anything hard. Uh, is is basically actually fully articulating the desired mm-hmm. outcome, right? Because if you think about like, oh, we want to, we're going to make Crash Lens two. Like Crash Lens two is the desired outcome, right? But now try to describe it, right? That's what we've been doing that for two explicitly years, explicitly and completely, <laughs> right? Yeah. In such a way that you could have even another just person, right, interpret yeah. what you've just said in such a way that the outcome they imagine is the one that you're imagining. Literally impossible, right? And then uh, and then it's so far good. from possible. It's yeah, hilarious, good. right? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, th- but that's, that's just where it's a question of like input versus output, right? Because one of the things that we've done during the course of Crash Institute is make something that makes it way, way faster for us to make games. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're so, putting the part where, we're putting the hard part where it should be, which is our ability to articulate and describe what we want. Right. Yeah. And of course, like that's, and that's, that's what tech always is, is it's, it's uh, a new way to do the same thing that you were doing, but way faster, way cheaper with fewer inputs, you know, fewer people, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you it's know, it's bringing and the, and the distance between input and output closer. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. Cool. And so, so that's, that's where you we have the displacement problem because let's say you're talking about art, right? So right now, if you want to be a great artist with a great portfolio, you, you produce a lot of pieces and each piece can take dozens and dozens and dozens of hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at a certain point, if if using AI to generate art becomes like just the easiest and fastest way to do it, uh, and it takes then, you know, one hour of curating a prompt to get a great piece instead of 50 hours of, of digital work, right? Then uh, one artist with a good eye, right? Which, which was who was making the art to begin with, they can now make art at 50 times the, the pace, right? They can make so many more pieces um, in such a short amount of time that uh, that 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 person can can sort of dominate. I think, right? but I think it's, again, it's it's kind of like an output versus outcome thing because like you're, you're correct in the, in the output sense, but in the same way that like technically, it's like saying that GitHub Copilot allows you to write a lot of lines of code without actually writing lines of code. So that's what's good about it. Well, it's right? not about lines of code. It's about it allows you to solve problems a lot faster, right? Well, yeah, we, we have to make sure that's actually thing. true though. Because yeah, what is the things. problem you're solving by having a, a portfolio that was easy to create, right? Because what's the what's the purpose of a portfolio, right? Which is there's there's a two parts to that. It's solving two problems. One is to that you are learning how to do something, right? You're practicing a craft, and the outcome of practicing that craft is the portfolio. Whether that's telling an AI to do stuff, or whether that's you know hand to paper drawing stuff, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, and and you need like when there's a and the whole idea of that is just like the it's the feedback loop, it's the practice, right? So if the distance between input and output is really short, right? Um, and uh, and I, well, actually, I think there's another way to think about this too, right? Like when you're making an art piece or coding up something, uh, it's not one input, right? Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. it's an initial input and initial output, and then repeated awesome. input output iteration loops, yes. right? Yep. And that's with like a with like an art AI thing, right? It's one input, the entire output, and then tweak the input, new entire output, right? Like there's a, it's a, there's a really different kind of relationship there. And what you're practicing is not, it's just not the same. It's not practicing the skill of like rapid input, output, drawing to visual outcome, right? Kind of a thing. It's description to visual outcome, right? Mm-hmm. 
So in those contexts, like it doesn't mean anything that like I can via word prompts or whatever generate a much larger portfolio because that portfolio is about my ability to generate those word prompts. It's a different skill, right? Um, yeah, so and, is that the skill someone needs in terms of like again the outcome that's able to be yeah, produced? Yeah, because it depends on what the, uh, the outcomes we're going for. Like if you're if the outcome you're looking for is like oh like what I need as for some reason is fuckloads of of I just need a fuckload of of art assets right that don't need to be super precisely anything specific right but I need them to be like there's something about them that I that I need to be true and I need a lot of them right then. Now you're enabled to get that in this context in a potentially affordable way, right? Yeah. But if the thing that you need is like, I need this very specific thing, like you're not going to look at that person's portfolio of like their AI stuff and be like, well, you made a lot of cool AI stuff. Therefore, this really specific thing that I want is something that you can do, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, like, those are just different problems that are being solved. At the moment know? they are. I mean. At the moment, yeah. I mean, the fundamental limit is your ability because it'll get closer, but the fundamental limit is the ability to accurately describe what you want in a way that is unambiguous. And that's just like the reality, like the, the engines that we use for making games doesn't make it, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easier to make a good game per se, right? It makes it easier to do all of the things associated with making games, but making it good still takes quite a bit of something else basically. Well, yeah, but well, what what it means is that is that more games get produced. Period. Yeah, that's right. right. Which which means that more good games get produced. Which means it's more. Which means that as a consumer of games, you have a lot more choice uh, mm-hmm. of which games to buy than you used to. Right. Um, and so it, it increases the competition in the space to the point where it's it's a less viable path because the risk of loss is much higher, right? In the same way that like, uh, if you wanted to, if, if everybody wanted to become a farmer, you know, they're, they're competing with the output of all the other farmers already. Right. And it's, it's very difficult to do because we've got that, we've got that farming problem covered. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's just going to happen that as everything gets easier and easier to do, there's going to be shifts in in the economics of everything. Oh yeah, I mean, right? yeah, in, in, in the supply and demand, and kind of like what that ends up looking like, it will then have sort of uh, displacement effects where where certain career paths um, become maybe a little bit more of a like a winner take all kind of a thing. Like the people the people who are already there, or the people who are left, you know, by the end um, have secured their spot, and and trying to break into that. Is going to be very difficult to do because you know you've already got your established kind of like players in the market kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and so, I think well, because it's important to break this into, into the two components, right? Because we're all in agreement that this is like how this process works and how it, how it's always worked, um, right? Is yeah. that as the context change, what you can do in that context and what's perceived as viable in that context also changes. That's just that's just the truth, right? And it's morally neutral the idea that stuff changes and mm-hmm. and if you don't adapt to it then like it's just a fact it's, about right. that's just a fact what happens <laughs> it is it is yeah. but it is then also a morally bad thing that the economic system that we've constructed for ourselves makes it so that given that fact. truth yeah people end up getting fucked right mm-hmm. So like those to me like the, and I, I want to make sure we're keeping those ideas separate in terms of like what's going to happen mm-hmm. 
and what that means, right? And, and it's really easy to get those two things in, entangled, and especially because like because the fear of like, oh, this is going to make it harder to succeed and all this kind of stuff, right? That's that's fear actually about the economic system and yes, and the consequences of change within the economic system, right? But in terms of like the the just like the tech and what it means to do that itself, um, that itself is just actually interesting, right? The idea that 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 what it means to make and consume art, right, has constantly been changing dramatically as mm-hmm. technology and people change, right? Um, but we're bumping up into a very new kind of change. That's like really big fundamental shift with the AI stuff, right? Um, that's going to much more aggressively shake up what that stuff means than what it used to. And we're going to end up in a different space with mm-hmm. lots of outcomes and stuff, right? And that wouldn't be bad if we didn't also couple that fact to our economic system, right? Mm-hmm. Because then it would just be interesting, right? And then we could just, like, some people could do that stuff. Some people could choose not to. It's kind of the same idea as, like, yeah, the only way to, like, meaningfully succeed under the economic system we have today in farming is, like, enormous factory farms, right? Because mm-hmm. the fact that they exist also makes it impossible to compete on a small scale. But so what does that mean? Though? It means that a whole bunch of people were like, let's bring people back into this. Right. And they have their little like their little small family farm and they sell their eggs for like 10 times the price of normal eggs. And there's people who are like, I want people involved in my shit again. Right. I want to get away from this factory farm bullshit. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if they can afford it, then they go buy those 10 times more expensive eggs from like the the chickens that have been pet their whole lives Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Like as these things shift, we still see all of these things emerge. But the, the actual evil part and the bad part is the coupling to the economic system. Um, which is all to say, universal basic income. Can we just fucking get on board this train, please? Yeah, we're gonna have just to. Just have <laughs> it's the yeah. only. It's like there's no other move we have. We've never had another move anyway, right? We're already dealing with the fact that we haven't done this. Yep. It's the only like the the logical conclusion of all of this stuff. It's the, it's the only path is that it's harder and harder and harder to be successful at all because a small number of people, an ever shrinking number of people inevitably end up with everything because of this very fact that we that as things change if you have the tools and capital and flexibility and freedom to keep on changing with it mm-hmm. then you get to keep capturing the upside over and over and over and over again while those who can't for any number of reasons that just have nothing left right so yep that's I mean, uh, yeah, what's yeah, what's going to what's going to happen when you've got robots who can cook clean and wait tables and make your art for you you know, what's yeah, what's gonna happen when, when computers can make <laughs> your art? What's gonna happen when computers can make movies? When computers can make music? You know what I think is uh, wild about this yeah. is that I feel like in all of the future guesses about how this was gonna play out from like 10, 15 years ago, whatever else, so much of the focus was on the idea that robots would be taking over on service-related industries first, as opposed to the fact that robots actually appear to be very good at this. Uh, sort of, again, on an output scale of the artistic side of being a person, whether it's create code, create art, music, you could have a, I've seen those like, I mean, they're not good yet, but like the script, the scripts that various AIs produce for like Batman movies and shit, which are hilarious <laughs> to read because they're insane, but like that it's actually easier. But it's j- it, that, it, that it already kind of works and it's just getting started, right? Because yeah. like, what is creativity if not taking ideas that are already there and it's trying to what bang, them, bang them together in new and interesting yeah, it is, ways. That's right? what I was getting at with the art thing, which is like when, if you ask any professional artist what their process is for putting together a new piece, a big part of it starts with gathering references. 
Yeah, you go. You you machine learn. Yeah, you, you go, <laughs> as a brain go and do machine learning in the direction of the stuff that you're trying to you know get to. Right. Machine just learning just is just throwing a fuckload of data to thing so that it can identify common patterns. That's it. Which is literally yeah. what that's literally which what a learning. person does. Yeah. 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 So I mean, yeah, which makes sense, right? Because I mean, it's like if a computer can can look at a billion things and analyze them and slap them together in a quadrillion different ways, right? Then like. Uh, once you figure out a way to to tell it what's a good output versus a bad output and how to sort of identify pattern those patterns of of how to more reliably slap things together to get better output more consistently you know which again that's what people do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then yeah it's 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 not we're not that far off from yeah. from you know the first uh hit song on the radio generated by a fully by a computer <laughs> Uh, with no actual person singing it, it's just a, a, a synthetic voice, you know, or or whatever. It may already uh, exist, and we just don't know it yet. We may not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I per- there's a lot of a lot of musicians that I personally have never seen in the real world. So could it's, be all. This may have been going on for quite some time, and we we don't actually know it. And if you read some of their tweets, you mm-hmm. know, it does kind of make sense that some of them are actually just you know random blobs of code being slapped together <laughs> to see what comes out. <laughs> so, oh man. Well, anyways, that kind of went in a direction I wasn't expecting, but uh that's yeah. all that's literally all the time we have. Yep. Uh so so we'll be hitting uh quite a bit of questions uh coming up. I will be heading out to India pretty soon. So our our upcoming episodes are going to be pretty question dense and not very news dense because we've got to pre pre record some of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll definitely be piling on the questions, uh, in these upcoming episodes. So uh, that's all the time we have. We'd like to thank our producers, fat bard and Sampa DaCosta for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running to get more involved in the butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net where we have links to the discord, a way for you to donate and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.